Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you, do you kind of usually have a routine when we're not in the period that we're in at the moment when it comes to studio work uh yeah i guess so i guess the routine depends on if i'm with an artist or not so if, if i'm on my own yeah I, I get i come to the studio every day yeah i work like every day it's like a normal job if you like i get in at whatever 10 finish about seven or eight or something like that depends on the depends on doing but yeah i'm in every day basically seldom am i not or of course if i do a different session or I go away or you know whatever whatever i'm doing there that's that's that but and if i'm working with an artist i work around them for the most part um depends on the yeah depends on what it is is the creativity different when you're in the kind of zone 10 to 8 or whatever compared to if it's maybe a little bit more spontaneous around an artist it's different yeah but i'm not sure i think if you Sometimes when you're working with someone, they want to do some like crazy hours. One, for productivity, and two, because they just like want to have a laugh. Like, let's stay up really late and, you know, go mad. It's like, yeah, cool. It's like, (laughs) I've been making records for quite a long time now. I know what happens with that. (laughs) Generally nothing. (laughs) Everyone just gets fucking knackered. So there's only so much you can do in a day. I mean, you know, if you get a good idea, it could happen in like five minutes and it's done. And then you sort of feel like you want to make the most of the day because of money and time and studio costs or something. So you end up just ruining that idea for the the other eight hours. Um, so I guess it's different. But I, I, I think when I'm coming to my studio and doing my own bits, I'm on my own. There's only, yeah, there's only so much you can do. I mean, occasionally I start really late and have a mad one. But again, you know, you just get tired. So unless maybe you're composing that's a bit different I guess it depends if you're composing or mixing or it depends what I'm doing really because I do so many different things depending on the task at hand I'd say Are the composing and the producing sides of the brain quite different? Yes in that when I'm producing another artist obviously I'm producing them so you're sort of in a more of a mentoring role but if I'm writing something 
either for myself or with someone else yeah it's a different part of the brain because you're just sort of just just writing is going with the flow of whatever that that is less preoccupied about what someone is after i'm very rarely writing to any sort of goal other than just writing a song i mean there might be a context of like the genre or like you know it's it's a pop song or something but other than that don't let anything else get in the way production is a bit different because there's there tends to be a bit of a goal you know we want this or you know we kind of want to move in this direction or we're not happy with what we've done before or i don't know whatever it may be so yeah you have to be a little bit more aware of that but writing's just like you just write a song I hope. and then you kind of categorize it after depending on what you might use it for yeah yeah always yeah yeah i mean people say they've they came up with this idea in their head and then they wrote it all down probably not true <laughs> i mean <laughs> maybe i i think most people that i've worked with at least you just do stuff and then yeah afterwards you give it a name slap a name on it put it in a box and that's what it is I, i'm sure there are situations where that's not true like i don't know if you're writing a song with diplo or something he's like well i want to play this in the club it's going to be four for four to the floor it's going to be 128 beat per, beats per minute do you know what i mean that sure that, that you'd have that but, but even so to be fair even with that framework in mind you would still do what you want around that you know you can put any old vocal on it it's kind of as long as it's four to the floor you're going to be 90 percent of the way there i guess with every project there are kind of certain natural limitations like you think about something like with royal blood you've kind of got those two instruments that you're working with to a certain extent in the same way that he's got the four on the floor and the 128 bpm yeah 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 very much yeah yeah the, lim- the limitations there but it doesn't make it any less um interesting so yeah so that the dance music example isn't isn't to say that it's not uh not yeah not any more interesting or better or worse it's just yeah it's a different it's just, just, a, just a framework different limitations yeah is that one of the first things you do when you go into the studio with an artist? Kind of figure out what the limitations are going to be? Um, I would say I'd try and figure them out. I'd, I'd try and make as many of them as possible. Um, <laughs> just because... Well, that, that's maybe an exaggeration. I would like everything to be available to myself and said artists. However, you have to kind of go somewhere. So the limitation would be, yeah, maybe instrumentation. Something like, well, Blood Like I Said, it's bass and drums. So that's that's what it is. I did actually introduce a keyboard to that album as one little bit of fun, you know, sort of break out, give everyone a chance to sort of like not get stuck in a rut with with the bass or whatever. But in regards to the actual studio, yeah, there's too much stuff. I mean, I've got loads of stuff. The studio's got loads of stuff. Um, I think if it brings an idea, then fine. It's like, say, if I write a song on some sort of mad synth or drum machine or something like that, which would be my go-to sort of way of doing that writing a song at the end of the day you end up just playing on a guitar and it's c g and d <laughs> do you know what i mean you naturally fall into that part the process yeah 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 it's, it is what it is you know i guess i don't make particularly avant-garde music so that's that but um maybe i will but for the moment you know if i'm writing a song song or producing one it is what it is so yeah so all the gear and all the instruments are definitely vehicles to get somewhere, but limitations are good. Even just like just just from the perspective of more the engineering, the production, just something really simple. Like if you're recording something with loads of microphones, 
and then you play it back and you can change the mix and the balance I mean that's got to stop at some point so some at some point you just got to say right this is it we're using that mic or whatever it is I can't have 10 on yeah. everything so you have to really narrow that down drums is a good example of that you know you could put a million mics up on the drum kit or you can do, use one and so on so yeah you got to limit that just just simply due to time because it's boring selecting microphones at first it's fun but then then it's not so it almost comes down to <laughs> there's much more interesting things it? to talk about oh yeah totally yeah yeah it's practical yeah because it's just i'm there or we're there to make music and really if it's great music and great content it's gonna sound pretty good with any of the mics you put up to be honest so it's seldom worth spending too much time on i know you were saying there as well though, that you don't I think you, the word, the phrasing you used was avant-garde. You don't make particularly avant-garde music. But something like Larry Pink the Human is kind of pushing the boat out in some directions. And particularly in a production sense when you're kind of pushing, you know, traditional acoustic-y stuff and this kind of fluctuating electronic production together. What are you kind of setting down as limitations for that? Well, thank you for observing that. That's, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I think with that, because it's my own project... Hopefully it is a bit more avant-garde, which is, I take that as a compliment in that that would be something that would inspire me, especially when we're making essentially what is pop music, you know, it's got lyrics and a melody and their songs. So yeah, I try and throw in as much weird stuff as possible and not just for the sake of it, but because I love it and, and Laurie does also. And with that, we would record things in a bit more of a silly way, which I'd always try and do with other artists in the studio, but it's a little bit harder for the most part to do that. So an example of that would be, we will record vocals with some stupid effect on them and there's no... Can't change it. You can't, like there's no backup plan. Or we, like, we've got this guitar pedal we often just like record the guitars through and it's all wobbly and weird and sometimes it just sounds like it's broken and it's a bit hard to use, but... It sounds really great. So we just record through it and then there's no there's no option to make that clean. That's why that is going in that direction and that's what inspires us when we're in the studio writing stuff. And We're writing it and recording it at the same time for the most part, at least the instruments and all the production stuff. So yeah, we're, we're trying to make it as arty as possible but not go out of our way to make it weird. We're not trying to make it like, you know, stupid but... But yeah, that's it's interesting, isn't that stuff? It's cool. It's like, why not just do something a bit more weird? Just like hang it upside down or whatever. And so yeah, so when I'm producing stuff that isn't my own music, it's a little bit easier to be scared of all that because you know down the line your record label might go, oh, that's great. That's going to be the single. Have you got a clean version of that? It's like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, which obviously does happen a lot but it maybe doesn't happen as much as it should nowadays but yeah I try and try and bring in the weird stuff as much as possible if you're writing and producing that at the same time almost does that put you in a completely different you know we were saying earlier that the writing headspace can be quite different to the producing one does that put you in a completely different headspace altogether if you're doing both at the same time pretty much probably yeah, well, well, one definitely informs the other, especially if you're doing something more, uh, more abstract. Then it it becomes one and the same, which is often why the 
I mean, like the term producer and the term we're talking about it is obviously how I am a producer, which I don't need to explain to you, but, you know, I'm more the sort of overseeing of a whole record or a band or an artist from the, you know, all the stages. But obviously the term producer means loads of different things nowadays. So it's a little bit hard word to use sometimes. Well, not hard word, but hard word to explain to someone if they don't understand what you're doing. So, yeah, like a, like an electronic music artist, they are producing, like their production is the writing. There, there is no difference. I would, I would say, if you're Aphex Twin, you're not sitting there going, "Oh, I'm going to write a song today." <laughs> you're not going, "Oh, I'm going to produce a song today." It just is. You know, he probably has the title of the producer and the writer, but they're the same thing. I would say. So when I'm writing and producing, it's it's a bit of that. It's kind of like, well, that that drum hook is really cool. So that's the song. That's the hook that in itself is production because I've made a decision on the aesthetic of that thing. Yeah, so the lines are blurry and the lines also become blurry sometimes when you're producing something and you are actually writing it without necessarily going in with that title. Is is the role of the producer evolving then as a result of that becoming more prevalent? More artists, you know, expressing themselves through both kind of... Yeah, it's changing, sure. Uh, it probably always has been blurry i mean it's a good it's a good thing that's changed by the way i think i think it's cool because it's opened up the producer role to lots of different people which maybe it wouldn't have done previously because obviously if you had to go into like a big studio how you imagine the studio to look to get in there you'd have to be of a certain standard shall we say or an engineer or you know have enough money to go in there and obviously now that's not the case you could just be in your bedroom and call yourself a producer and rightfully so um the problem with it also is that if you're in a studio and everyone's got a laptop making music, suddenly everyone's a producer, which I would say they're, they're not. Well, they, they could be, but for the sake of this conversation, they're just musicians making music. They just happen to be using a laptop. So I guess that's evolved. But then, as I said earlier, it's more about the term as well, so how people perceive the term. So I, I guess essentially it just becomes watered down because... Sometimes you look at you know, if you look at some pop records, they've probably got like ten producers in each song. They're probably all the songwriters as well, and they're probably all the musicians also. But they just it's all just thrown into one big lump. Um, yeah, it's like Kanye West type thing where you've got people making beats in every room. Yeah, so it, you know, twenty years ago that would have been like I don't know Muscle Shoals or something like that, and you've got all these inch, you know he's got these amazing players, and they're all just the house band. They are playing the track, and they're coming up with the beats or whatever. That would be that, but now it's called producers because they're using i guess a laptop as opposed to drums or a bass or whatever so yeah i think some stuff that's fine like kanye west that's you know whatever but for other things it maybe can make, make it a bit too complicated just in terms of like everyone getting different like splits of the song and all that sort of shit um too many cooks too many cooks exactly so I think generally speaking, having a producer of said work is the most efficient way of doing things. Maybe that's an ego thing from my perspective or <laughs> or the other way around, but like a director of a film. I mean, sure, you you got you know, you got a DOP, you got a cameraman, you got producers of the film, you got, you know, whatever. A myriad of people involved, way more than a record, but there's still one person directing the film for a good reason it would be a bit like all the actors 
having a camera and going, well, we're sort of directing this as well because we're sort of directing ourselves. It's like, yeah, of course you are because you're an actor and you have to sort of direct yourself into a, you know, into certain uh, emotions or, you know, the way you look or whatever. Of course, you're involved in the direction process by proxy. So I would argue that's kind of a similar thing in the studio. Like everyone can sort of say they're the producer if they're quite involved in the, the making of the song, but they're not, I don't think they necessarily need to say that or have to be. But um, maybe it's more popular to say that now. I guess that said as well, they're doing it in service of someone else's vision. So that's not really what the traditional producer role was. No, no, I guess not. But again, technology's helped that morph. Maybe it hasn't changed as much as we think. It's just artists or producers or whatever have the f- different facilities available to them now. So Was your U2 experience similar to what we've just been talking about in any way? Because they kind of, it's almost like a community of people working on that record. Uh, yeah, sort of, yeah. They they te- they generally have always used many producers for their records, I think for multiple reasons. One of them practicality as well, just so they can be in different places and, you know, it makes sense. Obviously, they're quite busy individuals, so having someone in America, someone in Ireland, you know, they can sort of pop around. I think it musically makes sense to them as well, just because it's more challenging, more interesting, all that sort of stuff. So in regards to my experience of that, there were three main producers, myself being one of them, and what would happen is you would sort of pick up a song and that would become your song, and then another producer would pick up another song and that would kind of become their one. So we'd all know what everyone's working on, but you'd kind of have your own thing. And then sometimes you'd be brought a song by the other guy and they'd say, oh, what do you think of this? Or, you know, and um, in some ways you'd kind of, well, from my experience, you kind of become executive producer over all of them, but you're only actually working on your main your main ones, like however many that is. Um, and they get tossed around as well. So if, if yours fails miserably, then they'll go off with someone else and try it with them. And then that will fail miserably and they'll come back and they'll be like, oh, we tried this version. And you'll be like, oh, that was so shit. Why do you do that? And then you'd grab it again and sort of make, make your one better again. Um, it's like the Kendrick so, yeah. song on that record, isn't it? Like it turns up in a completely different state on his record to their one. I quite like that. I find it quite interesting that you can take a song and give it to a different artist and they kind of infuse it with their own take on it. Yeah, well, he took that. Um, which way did it happen? Yeah, he took our original production and then put it in his record. And in the meantime, we hadn't finished our version, if that makes well, they, sense. Well, they delay the record, like a year or something, because they, did they not delay it after the election, remember. I think? Something like that, yeah. I don't remember the details of it, but yeah, you know, they're, they're always delaying things, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, read, too <laughs> much, I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, probably wasn't finished. Uh, so yeah, so that was like a production which he then took use and then by the time we got around to finishing our one it obviously changed even more so but yeah that's that's how that went so yeah, that would happen quite a lot with them they would yeah they would get different people to do stuff or whatever i mean in that particular example it was quite specific i mean we asked kendrick to do it so that was that but along the way there were certainly other people involved who would throw in their two cents in but again they would sort of use that a little bit more like a sounding board or an instrument than taking it too seriously they would quite happily listen to something that someone's spent ages on and be like, cool, that's good, never mind, and just move on. Do you know what I mean? Again, they have the ability to do that due to finances. They don't really have to worry too much about that, so they can mess around as much as they want, but uh, for a good reason, to try and make the song better. 
you know, try and make it a hit, basically. Sounds like that would produce quite a liberating energy in the kind of environment that you're in working on. Yeah, definitely. You can do what you want with those guys because they don't care. I mean, I mean, they care a lot, but do you know what I mean? There's no, um, they've got nothing to prove. So it's just like, yeah, go for it. So if I said, oh, let's, you know, delete it and put it backwards and I'll play, you know, some sitar on it or something, they'd be like, yeah, cool, give it a shot. You know, there's, not, there's no like issue. Just like, yeah, fine. And then they'd be like, please don't do that again. <laughs> or, <laughs> or like, oh, wow, that's fantastic. We'll use that one bar and then loop that and delete the rest. You know what I mean? You yeah. just generate ideas. and So, yeah. It was liberating in that sense. There was no, um, nothing was not allowed. So what you were saying there as well, there tends to be kind of three producers overseeing it. Are you in the room together at points? Oh, no, no. no, no I no, mean, no. we're in the room together sometimes. I mean, we obviously talk and, you know, there's like a bit of camaraderie there and a bit of competition also. Healthy competition. But healthy competition, yeah, yeah, in a, in a, in a cool way, not in a, not in a weird way. But uh, no, not in the same room at the same time, no different different studios or certainly different rooms and different things going on did you get a window into how any of the other producers worked on that in any way yeah yeah totally yeah everyone was quite different yeah i did get a window into how they worked it was, it was super interesting it was a real learning curve for me because normally when you make a record there aren't lots of different producers or if there are it's because it's like a project where the artist has written with loads of different people and they've just like written songs with producers and you've kind of got them kicking around and that is what it is but with the U2 job, there was like three active producers actually making the record as we went along. So that's quite different. So yeah, you definitely get an insight into what, what they were up to. Uh, yeah, it's super interesting. And it sort of enforces what I wanted to do even more. Because sometimes I'd be like, oh, I don't like that. I'm taking all this bloody these effects off quick. Because <laughs> the other one's the other one's got loads of effects on it. And I don't like it. It sounds cheesy or something like that. You know, you sort of make some sort of um, judgment of it. It's funny how, you know, we see artists doing, or songwriters rather, doing co-writes all the time and kind of getting a window into how other people work. But it seems like a far less common thing when it comes to producers, getting that window we're talking about there. Yeah, it is far less common, I'd say. Especially in the in the more sort of traditional, I'm producing said artist way. As in, because when you're a pop producer, writer, that's, that's a, yeah, you would probably come across quite a few. So yeah, no, it, is, it is weird. Yeah, it's like it's like the captain of a ship. It's like having four on board. Bit weird, <laughs> but, but that but, you know, it's also fun. I mean, you know, you get to like talk about stuff and you know, kind of um, a bit of like producer counselling, which is quite funny. Yeah, it's like you're trying to go on a ship from across the Atlantic. You all want to get to America, but you're all maybe a little bit different on ideas in terms of the path you could take together. Yeah, it's a good analogy. I'll take that. Yeah, you can have you can you can have that one. <laughs> yeah, pretty 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 much. And then whilst you know, whilst I'm driving the ship, some one of the other guys are like throwing an anchor off one side. <laughs> You're like, for fuck's sake! There's a mutiny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a bit like that. But you just got to do your own thing. I mean, it's no, you know, when you're in the that sort of position, especially something like that, which is kind of a, a bit more full on. There's no time to worry about anything like that. You just you're just making music at the end of the day. It's not, you know, it's not rocket science. It's just do what you feels good. And just hope that that works. If it doesn't, so be it. No point pretending. What you were saying there as well about it being a little bit full on. It's that adds a certain pressure to it. 
and if you're working in a studio with a band and there's a time pressure it's a slightly different pressure the different pressures add have different consequences if that makes sense the different pressures work into the record and impact it in different ways yeah so the, the the pressure that normally takes place in this in the studio recording environment is that you're in a studio everyone knows it's kind of expensive everyone knows they don't have enough time so then everyone does what everyone else does they record it in the same way they put up the same old mics they do you know you fall into like a formula which for the most part isn't very interesting we all do it a bit and obviously us producers and artists are trying not to do that the whole time being like this is really different and like the coolest thing ever and no one's ever done it before but you know most of the time that's not happening so that's the downside of the pressure of what we do is that the artist in particular sort of feels that and feels like they kind of like it's limiting them in some way or they have to sort of toe the line a little bit they might not say that out loud but that is happening even if it's like oh you know we want a song on the radio and they kind of have an expectation of what they think that is um stuff like that gets in the way which is a real shame so sometimes coming to like my studio which which isn't really expensive it's just like basic and you know it's nice but it's it's not a big posh studio it's sometimes better because there is no like there's no clock you know there's no day rate or anything like that so hopefully that enables me and said artist to do something a bit a, a bit more maybe true to what you want to get to um, and also sometimes you just gotta have a day off and just stop or just like walk out of the room or something and some people find that very difficult when they know that you know of the, of the the time and cost involved so yeah i can't remember your original question but does that answer it uh, yeah i can't remember either <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, i guess if you do that and you take a day off it gives the ideas a bit of space to breathe yeah exactly i mean you just can't force it i mean obviously, obviously it's my job to sort of coerce people a bit into you know getting getting the best out of them or maybe coerce isn't the right word coerce is sometimes the right word encourage maybe is a better word um <laughs> into you know into, into making something great or at least not even making something great but just they've already got something great there otherwise we wouldn't be there so it's just capturing that greatness so yeah, yeah you really want as many fresh ideas as possible it's one to just keep popping up and then keep grabbing them and then before you know it you've got quite a few great ideas and they're all just there so really it's just about not ruining them and not trying to fit them in a box as much as possible really because n- n- nothing's as dramatic as you think it is that when you listen back it's like oh this is super loud super distorted you listen to it back it's like it's not that loud <laughs> you know it's not as it's not as massive as you think you have to like really make things way more dramatic than you think for them to translate translate across like bands go this is our heaviest record yet like rock bands metal classic bands are like yeah this is the heaviest one you've ever heard <laughs> it's like you know it's like it sounds just as heavy as the last you know it it's not really heavier it's just what they've decided to say about it um so actually making something that sounds way more whatever than you think is you have to go for it a bit more i guess jump in you know you can't sort of you can't half jump in like if someone wants it like really like washy and full of reverb like cocktail twins or something like that you can't just put a bit of reverb on it and go oh we'll fix it in the mix it's like no no no. you've got to go like 
full reverb here. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, yeah. it just well, it just won't make sense. It's like going, we'll shoot a black and white film, but we'll shoot it in colour first and we'll make it black and white afterwards. It's like, no, you, you have to shoot it in black and white. It emotionally won't make any sense to do that. I mean, it might do if that's what you're going for and that's fine, but for the sake of this description, just shoot it in black and white. That's it. Done. Easy. Yeah. It's, but it's, not, it's not easy for people to do that. Yeah, exactly. Not, it's not easy for people to do that though. They think it's easy. They go, yeah, we'll do all black and white. It's like, go on then. And they go, no, actually... A record label might want a colour version. It's like, well, you can't have it both ways, so you're going to have to choose. <laughs> and then they go colour. It's maybe a way of, about getting what you want as well. Like if you do something like what you were saying with Larry Pink, where you'll put the effects on so you can't take them off. If you can't change it, you just kind of got to stick with it and you get what you originally had. And it, again, it comes back to conviction. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, you just got to yeah, believe in it or, and you got to love it and enjoy it, you know. And also be prepared for it to be shit. Like sometimes you'll shoot it in black and white and you'll be like, oh my God, this is just not work. It has not worked. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, this 16 millimeters cost me £100 a roll to develop and it's just going to be thrown in the bin. I should have done it on my iPhone. Like there's no point being clever for the sake of it, but you've got to try it. And often it's easy to not try it, basically, which is a shame, but... Well, I guess every artist is different, so they need different things. Not everyone can be sort of like forced to, you know, try and be no. out of the box. But most of the artists I work with, thankfully, you know, kind of go with that philosophy as much as um, as much as they they need to for themselves. So that that's fine. Do you sometimes have to make an artist believe in their idea? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just more due to confidence than anything else, because what they they are good at they can't necessarily recognize so they might think they're good at something or they think oh this is my sound and i'm like yeah yeah, it's good but like what about that sound you know what about that version of yourself and that's often the most sort of vulnerable one you know like like any of us there's you know hidden secrets and emotions and experiences that you don't bang on about all day but quite often they um they're important you know and from certainly from musicians point of view opening that part of themselves up is not easy certainly to talk about but you can talk about it with with music and songs and i guess that's what we do isn't it that's what we love really emotion so can you get out of them without speaking about it yeah for sure yeah different ways um depends on depends on the person yeah even just like let's just say you're working with someone and they are quite shy or vulnerable or and and so let's just just I'm making up a hypothetical situation. Yeah. And and there's someone else in the room, the manager or the record label or something like that. And they're like, oh yeah, I'll just you know I'm just in the studio. You won't hear me though. It's like, I know I won't hear you, but you being here is enough that it's annoying. <laughs> so can you please leave? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's like it's not about I think it's not about like you being in the way. Yeah. It's like just the very presence of that person affects the other person it affects me and everyone else not necessarily in a, in a bad way but just in a sort of in a way so just giving the artist a, a nice environment again that was hypothetical but like those sort of things happen quite often so yeah yeah you just create an environment where said artists can be vulnerable or just or just try stuff they haven't necessarily haven't gone for be that i mean i guess a singer is a good example because singing isn't easy you got like do it loads of times and you get really tired and you know it's not easy singing all day long um so yeah you have to create an environment that's like feels like you can just go for it It isn't always easy but 
guess I've got used to, you know, I've got I've got a thing. Don't know what it is, but <laughs> yeah, it works in the end. So is that there. is that what you were using Jurassic Park for with the howl and the hum? <laughs> yeah, you've done your research. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. I yeah, yes, that's exactly what I did. So with that, I can't tell too many secrets because they might listen to this. They had that one that the song they. Uh, the song that we recorded when we had Jurassic Park on was um, Sweet Fading Silver, which is an amazing, beautiful song. It's a stunning song. Fiat Punto. Li- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lyrically and, and musically. It's got the word Fiat Punto in it and it's emotional. So that's a challenge in itself. So they'd already written it. So um, there was a, an intrinsic pressure that they put upon themselves because they'd already recorded a sort of demo of it and it was really good but it wasn't kind of good enough if you know what I mean it was good in that it, it was emotionally a great recording but it didn't sound that great so we knew we had to get a better version of it so yeah I didn't really make a big deal of it I just purposely ignored that song I didn't sort of talk about it with them too much and then when the time was right I just hit record and then sort of had that set up so something a bit, they're like, what the fuck's going on? Why is Jurassic Park on? What are we doing? You're mad. <laughs> Just to sort of like go totally like, what the fuck's this chap on about? Like, <laughs> did we really ask him to produce this for us? And then just sort of to let him record it really and stayed out of the way. Um, that was my approach at that particular moment in time. Uh, just to sort of make it not what everyone would expect. Was this in your studio? No, I know we recorded this at um, Big Jelly Studios, which is n- near near me. Um, it's in Ramsgate in in Kent. Yeah, it's a great great space. It's like an old, well, it's not like it is an old church which they've converted into a into a really cool space, a big big high ceiling. So yeah, so that's a good example of a really good studio. That's not it's not too expensive. It's not too high pressure. It's quite small. Um, so that's yeah, a good example of being able to do that sort of thing there. Whereas if we'd have been somewhere in London that was maybe much more expensive, that would have been a bit harder to do, kind of get projectors in and spend half a day setting that up and finding Jurassic Park on on someone's laptop <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> well, you, have you got a guy in Ramsgate that can get you anything? Well, that was Johnny, yeah, so I... So you got the projector, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so Johnny is um, part of Youth Hymns, which is myself... Johnny and Jake um, so we've made music videos and commercials and other sort of music related things over the last few years so yeah we've got a good rig of stuff so I was like Johnny sort me out <laughs> like half an hour later we had this huge projector sort of like duct taped to some you know keyboard stand um, so yeah thanks to Johnny for that one I think I still owe him, owe him dinner for that <laughs> does you know, being part of that visual collective bleeding to Larry Pink in any way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're really busy. I mean, it's more Jake and Johnny than myself. I, I mean, I was certainly part of the beginning of that. Um, I mean, it's a company. I hate calling it a company. It sounds really official. Team, team. But yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a team effort. There's all the three of us, but those two are really the guys that um, do all the the video stuff. But yeah, Johnny has shot a music video for for Larry Pink. So that's coming soon all i can say so yeah that that nice. plays into that definitely and and also just being around visual things is quite important to me because you can't always express yourself musically all the time and also you might just see a picture or video and you're like oh that is wicked you know and you kind of want to make some music that sort of has that feeling or at least maybe not that feeling but just inspires you you know so like laurie and i sometimes put on something like in the background like 
some anime or something just a bit mad. And it's like, wow, what if music sounded like that? Obviously it does. Loads of artists make crazy music that does, that does sound like anime looks. But we don't. <laughs> well, not yet. So do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. So visual stuff is, is super important for sure. And youth hymns is, yeah, I mean, the stuff they, the Jake and Johnny do is, is um, I'm a big fan of what they're doing. And yeah, it's great to be involved. Not to touch too much upon that video, because I know you can't say much about it, but is it in a different style to the other ones? Because the first four that you've put out have all been in their own kind of very different style, if that makes sense. They're all quite distinct. Yeah, yeah. So the first four, we wanted to, to kind of let the directors do their thing and the artists. So one of them's illustrated and three of them are filmed. Yeah, we kind of just wanted them to do their thing because often um, when you're making a music video in particular, it's very low budget. You kind of, you just don't want to get in the way. So I, I, I find it's better to like let the director or the whoever sort of have their say on it, um, not muddy the waters too much. Um, with this new video, uh, we're in it, so I'll say that much. So yeah, so it's totally different. So yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit more, a bit more fun, a bit more um, band, bandy, so people can kind of see what the hell we're up to. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. What's the balloon from when it comes to Larry? Um, so that again was a visual thing that we just had in the studio before we even started writing any music because we were just thinking about what are we what the hell are we gonna do what is this i mean to be fair laurie had some demos that he'd written of songs like that he'd just written after slaves or whatever and i obviously had some like random ideas also so that so there was music but the actual larry pink the human project didn't exist at that point and obviously laurie isn't is an artist um a visual artist so yeah when we started that was very much part of what we're trying to achieve just like what is it you know we thought maybe it would just start with artwork or just start with photography or something like that in some ways we probably hoped it would have started like that but of course we are musicians and before you know it you're writing songs and you know like, wow this is it this is a single let's go so yeah it's just a way in really for us to to figure it out and the balloon i don't know if laurie just draw the face drew the face first or maybe he actually did it as a balloon we were just like oh that's that's good that's the guy stick him on the thing and let's just go with that and it helped us we at the very beginning we were like oh should we say it's us should we just hold the balloons in front of our face you know like that slip knot or something just like be hidden um try and do a gorillas thing yeah like yeah like gorillas exactly yeah like similar to the what what they obviously achieved incredibly well yeah definitely inspired by that yeah but before we knew it we just ended up just yeah doing it our way which obviously was not that, not like Willis, but but yeah, the, the balloon was really a way in. And there's other characters coming as well, so. I like the idea that if you continue with the balloon, what the live show would have looked like, just the balloon, you know, kind of floating on stage with the music playing. Yeah, that's kind of, it's funny <laughs> enough, that's, well, that is what we thought for the very first, because we were supposed to play The Great Escape this year, and we were going to do something a bit like that. That was the original sort of, yeah, to start with that. But obviously we've come too far now, so we'd have to like... Do, yeah we can't do that but yeah yeah that would be fun maybe we'll do it like like you know the 10 year anniversary we don't we don't even show up <laughs> just play it through the pa yeah <laughs> did um do you think it would have changed anyway without quarantine and everything that's kind of gone on the idea for what you had as this project yeah it would, it would have changed for sure just because um the outside influence of like not not in a bad way but like having a you know 
a small record label thing we've got going on obviously management and stuff like that you know people want to push the project forward as much as possible so yeah we would have fallen into different patterns uh, definitely certainly like doing gigs would have been really great but in the same breath not doing gigs has made us or given us the opportunity rather to write more songs and you know put more stuff out so by the time we do do a gig people will hopefully have heard you know a few of them you know certainly a set's worth worth so that's going to be cool because then people will be hopefully actually want to come to hear this to hear the songs because they like them um but it is what it is you know you've got to do your thing and we're quite happy just writing and you know just making music really i mean as long as we're doing that that's the main that's the main thing but yeah of course you know having some human involvement would be great but ultimately it's not hasn't impacted us negatively i'd say i mean we're lucky we have a studio and stuff like that so you know we can be quite self-sufficient and the whole point was to make it self-sufficient and make it a bit bedroomy and you know we're not quite going to abbey road yet so (laughs) (laughs) it feels very fluid as a creative project like anything could kind of happen with it in terms of the direction you want to take it in yeah totally certainly from laurie's perspective obviously because he was in slaves and that whether he likes it or not he's in a box of whatever that genre is punk and the name of the band, you know, it, it it's quite a narrow path. Not not due to his fault, but just the way it's perceived. Um, like anything's perceived in the same way I'm, I would be perceived a certain way. You know, you would, you're a producer or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. that means. So though, Pink, it's definitely more about us just doing whatever. Like we, we're the masters of our own destiny with it, to be honest. There's no one telling us what to do. There's no real pressure from anyone We've both been around the block once making music and we've had obviously some success and those sort of great things. So we've got nothing to prove really. We just do whatever we want, which feels great. And it also means things like the genre might very well change. Um, Interesting. In the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Watch this space. And then people will be like, what the hell have you done? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> but it won't, it won't really matter because for the most part, more artists could get away with that anyway. I mean, as long as the vocals are the same, you're halfway there, you know. It sounds a bit like the artists. Well, you were saying there about the desire that we kind of have to put artists in boxes. Is that what kind of fuels side projects? Because they're not even just in music, they're kind of prevalent in every creative industry. Yeah, they are. Um, Yeah, it it most certainly does fuel side projects. The, The problem with it is that it's a it's it's a blessing and a curse in that let's just say i don't know let's say you're um robert plant and you start your side project it's like well it just sounds like the guy from led zeppelin <laughs> do you know what i mean it, yeah because he's the singer so when you're the singer and you're doing a side project it's quite difficult unless that becomes the new project if that makes sense like um, gorillas which like like gorillas yeah exactly is another good example so yeah that became the project it wasn't really a side project it was just the new thing so it's like a development an artistic development if you do a side project and you just dip your toe in nine times out of ten it's not that different from what you've done before yeah so it's often not as successful as one hopes and it's i think with the music it's quite a hard one i think with like fashion or art or something like that it's maybe a bit easier if easy is the right word just because your essence will still be in there some somehow well it will be because there's no um, no way around that but your actual voice or how you sound is quite like specific so like if you're a singer it's quite hard to do a side project for me 
being a producer and now being an artist in a band and writing with other artists or whatever else I'm doing, I'm still quite enigmatic. So I can sort of do quite a lot of things and I don't trip myself up too much. But I think for some artists, it's quite hard to sort of like make that leap. Uh, again, they should, or at least make the leap and then bring it back into their actual project. <laughs> so like where they go, oh yeah, I'm writing this like drum and bass album with someone else. It's like, cool, write your drum and bass album and then stick it on your album. And then, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That'd be wicked. And they're like, oh no, because I'm in a band. It's like, well, why don't you be in a drum and bass band? <laughs> it comes back to what you were saying earlier as well, about you can't just do it a little bit. You kind of have to go the full pelt and put all your conviction into it. Yeah. Is most of your creativity in that sense then you kind of just following your instinct or do you ever consciously think I want to try and do something a little bit like this or in this vein? It's definitely following my instinct, yes, for sure. But in the same breath, no, I do make decisions. Sometimes I'm like maybe stuck in a in a place for a moment and I'm like, actually, I don't want to be stuck in this place. So I'll, I'll make a, I'm, I'm, you know, make an energetic move to do something else for for a minute. Even if that's privately, like even if I just sit here and just like listen to some music that I really like or turn on my synths and stuff and just let them make create crazy noises for a while and then go back to something you know quite normal afterwards yeah uh, that's also fine so yeah yeah no, instincts are really the most important part as soon as you start intellectualizing art it becomes less exciting I mean, it's ex- basically stuff's exciting when it's new if you hear something new you're like whoa this is well good like what is that sound that's that's it. You've ha- it's happened. It's new. It, the newness is gone. So you just record that or whatever it is. Use it, and then you know, that's the thing. And that's that Dylan quote. What you were saying there about um, intellectual thought. I think it's something like intellectual thought is the death of the creative impulse. Is something well, that you say said. that? Okay, yeah. I probably I probably nick that without. I'm probably paraphrasing. But yeah, yeah. That's right. Me and Dylan, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I mean, intellect is useful for to to a certain degree, but um, I wouldn't intellectualize things too much. I mean, certainly, like with production as a as a um, a concept and as a discussion. Not that we're discussing that specifically, but say if you are, say if you want a bit more of a a nerdy production talk, you know, m- invariably you end up talking about what equipment you use and all that sort of stuff, and it's just like. And I love all that, by the way, don't get me wrong. I love a good old nerd off. I'll have a nerd off every day with my engineer. That's fun. But it's simply that. It's not that inspiring. Coming up with a new idea or a new song or, you know, an artist having a, well, whatever, a moment is is what it's all about. So the intellectual side of, like, how you record it or whatever is fairly subsidiary, Um, albeit important, but subsidiary nonetheless. So when for someone says, "Oh, what? How did you get that? What did you put on that thing?" It's like, well, that's it's the wrong question, really. Essentially, it's like, how did you get them to play that, or how did you get them to say that? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, like we were talking about vocalists earlier on, how did you get them to sound so like vulnerable? It's like, well, it, I, I can tell you right now, it wasn't the microphone which did it. Um, <laughs> or, may, or maybe it was. Maybe they liked the look of it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, they trusted the not, microphone. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, to be fair, that 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 can happen. Yeah, if you if you provide some like maybe a very old microphone or something that looks really cool and you know it's got some history to it, that might be enticing rather than rather than a brand new you know posh one. But again, that it's not the microphone that 
did the work it's you know the emotional connection they the person had or didn't have to it which is the um which is the important thing they weren't going oh what's the technical specification of this mic they don't give a shit <laughs> do you know what i mean is it easier or harder to spot good ideas when you're coming up with them yourself as opposed to being in the studio with an artist and you can see them when they have that spark you know mm, that's a good question actually you have to be quite open all the time when you're in in the room you have to be really ready to to capture an idea so if that's my own idea then yeah it would, you know it's just as valid as anyone else's in the room so <clears throat> i would be willing to put it forward and that maybe comes with confidence as well to sort of say oh try this and you, people are like that sounds rubbish and you're like hang on wait a minute <laughs> it's all about context and you put it in here yeah, so there's a bit about confidence it just comes with a, with a bit of time, I guess, a bit of experience. Um, so yeah, you just got to be open to the, whatever's going on, and kind of in tune to what the the vision is as well. And also, if it's my own idea, generally speaking, I'll be less precious. So if I did voice it and um, everyone's like, "Oh, that's shit," then I won't be that offended. Well, I won't be offended at all, but I'd be more conscious of offending someone else who's come up with something in the band, say, because I don't want to sort of make them feel like their idea isn't um, hasn't been listened to properly or or whatever, because I am listening to what their idea is for sure. Um, it just it also might be not so good. The danger there is that if you do go on too kind of strong, they can then become closed off in the studio environment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't want that because um, any idea is a good idea, and often the people who are maybe less verbal or less outwardly excited in the room might actually be invariably listening more and much more aware of a, a broader, have a broader view of what's happening. For example, this sounds funny, but it, it's true. Like often in a band scenario, often the bass player is like the one. They're like they know what's going on. And it's like, oh, it's the bass. Yeah, it's just a bit of bass. Like, but more often than not, they have a a very good overview of everything else, um, not just musically, but within the the sort of setup of the band and what each member needs emotionally or whatever else. So yeah, so you know, everyone's there for a reason, basically. The bass player serves the song more than anyone else does in some way, so they kind of have to slot in perfectly. Yeah, they do. Yeah, of course. Um, but they're not... They're generally speaking, not the most outlandish members of 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 the group, or the most sort of uh, virtuosic, shall we say? Unless um, you're Flea. Yeah, well, yeah, he's doing alright, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he's certainly he's he's certainly filling the gaps. But yeah, you know what I mean. They're yeah, they're just sort of sitting back. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there there isn't a hierarchy. I mean, I mean, well, there's there's often a leader, a band leader for sure, in a band context, or obviously the solo artist. They are the leader of their own thing. In regards to having ideas and stuff, yeah, I think everyone's just got to be open and willing to accept wherever they come from. You just have to, you have to just be tuned in to what that, to, to when they might appear, and that's basically my job. Is that I'm not sitting there trying to create stuff. All I'm not sitting there going, oh, like this drum sound, this bass, this bass sound, oh, this synth, oh, the production. I'm not, I'm not sitting there trying to work it all out because it's impossible. I'm just simply trying to let it happen. And when it does happen, go, oh, that's great. Why don't we, why don't we do that for a bit? 
and hopefully everyone's on board with that. Or you just capture it and you know simply record it, and then you play it back to someone later, and they're like, "Wow, that's great! Why didn't we try that?" It's like, "Well, I did mention it, but <laughs> <laughs> you were, you know, tuning the rack tom, <laughs> you know." So yeah, it's quite funny. What does music give you in life that nothing else does? Cool. Should have had a cup of tea before you gave me that question. Um, <laughs> what does music give me in life that nothing else does? I, I guess without getting too deep and philosophical, it, you know, it, it brings me great joy, which is um, a special thing. You know, joy itself is—you can't really generate joy. You can't. It doesn't. You can't sort of make it happen willingly. So, music definitely gives me joy, um, and, and other people joy which is important because that sort of in turn gives you more. Very reciprocal. Exactly. So it gives me that. It's ephemeral, which is quite interesting. It doesn't you know, exist. So let's say you've written a song and you're like, yes, it's cool. And you've recorded it and you know, you're really happy with it. Every time it's performed from there on, it's different. And when people sing it in their own head, they sing it differently to how it goes quite often, which is quite a good little phenomenon and then when people sing it together it's just another thing and you know and so on and so forth i think that's quite special like i like lots of different sorts of art but like a painting you just look at it on the wall of course you can experience a painting in different ways and you could argue lots of things about paintings which i won't go into now but essentially let's just agree that it's on the wall and it's there and assuming everyone's looking at the same thing it is what it is whereas a song kind of isn't really like that or music isn't like that especially when it's performed it's obviously something totally different to how it was conceived which is quite interesting so I guess it gives me that outlet artistically to make something which is transient um, which obviously everything is but music especially is like that so yeah I don't know it gives me joy good 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 stuff deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.